Good morning, everyone. My name is Emily. I'll be reading the scripture passages for today. We'll be reading several passages in the book of Acts. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Acts 2.46-47, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Acts 5.14 And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Acts 6.7 And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Acts 9.31, so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it multiplied. Acts 12.24, but the word of God increased and multiplied. Acts 16.5, So the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Acts 19.20, so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. And Acts 28.30-31, he lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you for reading that, Emily. Thank you for leading us in prayer, David. Um, A little quirk of the quarantine lockdown for us as a church has been that our last Sunday in here was the Sunday we, as a membership, overwhelmingly called David here as a pastor. (laughs) And this morning, as we gather again together, it's his first Sunday back with us. So the entire time he was gone, we were gone. So we're doubly glad to have you, um, since we get a meet together, apparently, when you're here with us. Last summer, well, I'll just say this real quick. We we have, in case this wasn't obvious, we flipped the order of the service, putting the sermon and prayers and scripture reading closer to the front. We're going to sing a little at the back. Um, It'll well be a short service. Some talk about that being helpful. Um, So that's what we're going to try and do. I don't know what we'll do forever, but this is what we're doing this morning. So we're going to turn our attention to the book of Acts. Last summer, I stood in my front yard and sort of looked behind what is a huge tree in my front yard and saw to the third um, story roof edge at my house, and I saw there was a tree growing out of my gutter. It was a part of the house I don't look at very often because it's hidden by uh, a large tree from the front yard. But if you've ever tried to grow something, you know how difficult it can be to keep it alive and healthy. Tomato plants, goldfish, children. And I looked up at my little tree wondering how it got there. Whatever soil had accumulated 
uh, there in my gutter. It just didn't feel like enough for life. But there it was growing. We've been preaching through the book of Acts off and on over the last year, which tells the story of the birth of the early church, the first 30 years after Jesus rose from the dead and ascended back to heaven. And so many times when you look at the individual stories here in the book of Acts, you look at it and it's almost like you cock your head to the side and you squint a little bit, wondering how this fragile group of believers grew in such inhospitable soil. Maybe you wonder the same thing about our church, or the church at large. I know I do. How will our little, fragile band of believers grow in inhospitable soil when the world is on fire? We typically preach one passage after the next, but it just didn't feel appropriate to keep kind of going on with the show, so to speak, the next passage, business as usual, on such a significant day for our church and moment for our country. Next week, we'll go ahead and do that. We'll move on to the next passage in Acts, Acts chapter 8, verse 9 and following. This week, I want to focus on what are called the summary verses in the book of Acts. You just heard many of them read. There's a number of them throughout the book. What did you hear in common? Was there a theme as you heard those verses read? The theme was that the Lord builds his church. That's what they say. That's what the summary verses in the book of Acts say. And I think those summary verses are like the chorus or a refrain in a song. You know, it's, it's funny how you can get the chorus stuck in your head in a song. I remember having a conversation with worship leaders here at our church years ago, and we were talking about how, yeah, you, we, we do, we get the chorus stuck in our head. At least I said it, it, it's the verses behind those choruses. As you really press into what they're saying, that you, you get the grit. You get, you get the meaning of the song, so to speak. It's, it's the backdrop, those verses that cause the choruses to shine. And those passages we read a moment ago, they make up the chorus, the refrain in the book of Acts. But what's happening between those choruses? What's happening between the refrain? What is the backdrop to which Luke sings about the Lord building his church. If we take a few moments to think about those, we just won't have time to look at all of those verses and all of the book of Acts. We're going to be in this book over a year when you add it all together. But I want to pick a few of them and just give you some of the flavor, the texture that's behind those choruses. So we'll pick Acts 6 to start with. Let me read Acts chapter 6, verse 7, which was read a moment ago. I'll read it again. Luke writes, And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests, I think we could add, even the priests, became immediate to the faith. Now that's the chorus, the Lord building his church. But what was happening around this specific chorus? What was happening in the background? The answer is you press into the passage, and I preached it three, four months ago, was this, racism. You see, there was a food shortage within the community. And the Christian believers there, there were those... They were all converts to Christianity, so to speak. There were those who were ethnically Jewish who had converted to Christianity, and those who were Gentiles who had converted to Judaism who then converted to Christianity. And they were all there together, but only one of them was getting their bellies not filled. 
It was the Gentiles converted to Judaism who converted to Christianity. Not those who were ethnically Jewish. And this issue blew back in the face of the church leaders. And they had to look the ugly, uncomfortable questions in the eye. Not just as they looked out at their congregation, but as they looked back in the mirror. They had to probe their hearts, seeing how they had failed. How they needed to listen and learn and make changes. And they did. They installed new ministry leaders to run the ministry. Ministry leaders who didn't look like them and have the same backgrounds that they had. And they gave away power. They laid their hands on these leaders of another ethnicity saying, we're sorry, but we believe God has called you, empowered you to help us fix this. Now go and lead strong. The church grew. When you put it like that, you realize their issues were not just their issues. There are issues in many ways too. Where will you and I get this kind of strength, this kind of humility, this kind of love? Consider the context around another summary statement in chapter 12. I only had Emily uh, read verse 24, but look at the verses that lead up to it. Acts chapter 12, verse 20 through 24. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, people north of Israel. And they came to him with one accord, and having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace because their country depended on the king's food for country, or for the king's country for food. Verse 21. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes and took his seat upon the throne and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, The voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him down. Because he did not give glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. There's the verse. And here's the chorus. But the word of God increased and multiplied. Herod was an arrogant leader who had a facade of religion but not the real thing. And God struck him down when he let people worship him. I didn't read it but the first verse in that chapter says that he killed a Christian named James. And put another one named Peter in jail. This is the ugly, seemingly inhospitable soil that the church is supposed to grow in? Supposed to grow like a tree in a gutter? And yet Luke writes, surprisingly, wonderfully, the word of God increased and multiplied. And in Acts chapter 15, there's disunity among believers. They call them together in this Jerusalem council. But the question they're asking, or the questions they're asking, have to do with what do we do with these new Gentile converts? And how are they all to relate to the Old Testament law? Now, if you've been following our church through Zoom Sunday schools, you know, we spent nine weeks, the last nine weeks, asking really these same questions. How do believers today relate to the Old Testament law? We've had 2,000 years to think about it. They were working these things out in real time, not hindsight. I bet some tempers flared. I bet some well-meaning Christians spoke harsh words. But what also happened? Leaders listened. Leaders prayed. Leaders pursued unity and sought to bring as many people along as possible as the leaders went after the Jerusalem council and they went around and visited some cities and spreading unity and hope in Jesus. What do we read in Acts chapter 16 verse 5? This summary verse, this chorus. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. And we could go on and on. 
looking at the stories between the summary refrains, the verses between the choruses. There was a famine in chapter eleven twenty-eight, and a harrowing shipwreck in chapter 27. We could call these things natural disasters. They had to deal with that. We could talk about those. And there was persecution throughout the whole book. And yet God grows his church in an unlikely gutter. You remember the BP oil spill? It's been 10 years now. Um, 10 years ago, the deep water horizon was spilling gallons and gallons of oil into the water. 200 million gallons of oil before it was said and done. That's a number that's hard for me to imagine. Did a little math. I had a little, little, it took a little time <laughs> this week. You take milk jugs, fill them with oil, and you stack them across all the lanes of the turnpike in Pennsylvania, both east and west. You can go across Pennsylvania and back again with milk jugs of oil. And as that oil bubbled up, all kinds of things needed to happen. The rescue of the workers from the ocean most immediately. Reform of procedures for drilling, cleanup from the beaches and shoreline and animal rescue, aid for businesses impacted along the coastline, tourism and fishing, and a hundred other initiatives needed to be put in place to fix the problems. But you know the main thing that needed to happen? From September, excuse me, April 20th to September 19th of 2010, the main thing that needed to happen was to stop the flow of oil. The gusher needed to be sealed, and the root problem needed to be addressed. We'll come back to that in just a moment. As we read of these calamities here in the book of Acts, again and again, Luke points us to our only hope, the chorus of the grace of God who builds his church. Acts chapter 5, verse 14 And more and more the believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Acts chapter 9 verse 11. And so the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and were being built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit it multiplied. Acts chapter 19 verse 20. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevailed mightily. The chorus in the book of Acts sings that the grace of God is strong, overcoming deep resistance. The chorus sings that the grace of God is for everyone. The cross, as so often is said, levels the playing field where every sinner, no matter how bad, can become a saint. And in the chorus of the book of Acts, Luke sings to us again and again that the grace of God is the only thing that can stop the gusher of sin. The life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, and the second coming of Jesus is for everyone who wants it. And everyone needs it. But when we consider the whole of the book of Acts, we see that the grace of God is not just forgiveness. The good news of Jesus does not just fix past sins, our problem with past sins. The grace of God also provides the power to live for God in a hostile, inhospitable environment. The grace of God is the power to make changes. The power to act, which is why we call it the book of Acts. And just like the BP oil spill, there is a root cause of all the destruction 
our sin and alienation with God. And a thousand reforms need to be addressed. But just doing those without fixing the core issue is just like rescuing animals and fixing businesses while the gusher continues to flow. But when the flow is fixed, when there is a solution to the root problem, then we can go about and should go about a thousand other initiatives, healing the church and bringing hope. We need God for both of these. The church, by the power of God, can and will grow in unlikely inhospitable soil. It always has. A mere religious club would shrivel and die. But when God gives birth to a church, He causes her to shine. That's what the choruses in the book of Acts reminds us. The grace of God was their hope then and it's our hope now. Would you pray with me? Invite the worship team back up. Heavenly Father, we thank You That when we sing about your grace, we sing about a solution that's more deep and more sturdy than we could ever imagine. Lord, your grace is truly amazing. Will you build our church and heal your word? May your kingdom come and your will be done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.